It's a beautiful day in the neighborhood. A beautiful day for a neighbor. Would you be mine? Could you be mine? Tizovich's not the only guy can sing around here. I have always wanted to have a neighbor just like you. I've always wanted to live in a neighborhood with you. So let's make the most of this beautiful day. Since we're together, we might as well say, Would you be mine? Could you be mine? Won't you be my neighbor? Won't you please? Won't you pretty please? Please won't you be my neighbor? Hello, neighbor. Oh, man. I remember all the morning shows growing up. Not just Mr. Rogers. I remember them all. Captain Kangaroo. Bozo the Clown. And if you grew up in Cincinnati, come on now, let me hear from you. Uncle Al and Captain Wendy. Am I right about that? Did accordion do? And if you were really brave and your parents let you and you maybe snuck out a little bit, you watched the cool ghoul. And y'all remember the cool ghoul? See, I know my people. But especially Mr. Rogers, I wanted to be a part of his entire neighborhood. And that's what this series is about. Last week, John kicked off our series, Won't You Be My Neighbor?, by talking about the Good Samaritan and the two greatest commandments Jesus gave. Love God, love your neighbor as yourself. Just a question, how did you do with the homework uh, last week, learning your neighbor's name? It's really important. If you haven't done that, go back and start there. If you have done it, I want to encourage you to take another step. In fact, today when you leave, if you didn't already get it when you came in, we have some awesome magnets. Won't you be my neighbor magnet? And you are to write, here's your assignment, write the names of all of your neighbors around as you're at the center, write their name. And then once you write their name, I want to encourage you to get some other data or information about your neighbor that's relevant. Write that down. There probably won't be space there. You have to write it down somewhere. Information beyond their name that you won't get from 100 feet, that you won't get from like maybe waving when you go in and shut your garage door if you have a garage. Hang this on the refrigerator. Let it be somewhere prominent. It doesn't have to be fridge, but let it be a reminder for you to intentionally pray for and invest in your neighbor. Because let me tell you why. Being a good neighbor right now is really, really important in our greater Cincinnati neighborhood. It is especially important because of the highly charged political environment in which we find ourselves. You're getting ready to see because of the Supreme Court nominee. This thing, to, I already thought it was pitch fever high. You're getting ready to see it go to another level. Keep your focus on loving God loving your neighbor. Don't get sucked into whatever media you watch into being a politician or a partisan person. You are a Christian first. You're a citizen second. Citizen of a higher country. Don't let that happen. See, I love the First Amendment. I love the First Amendment Constitution. I, uh, maybe you maybe memorized it. I wrote it down. Let me read it to you because right now in our environment, this is pretty important. People are talking about a lot of this stuff. Here's the First Amendment. Congress shall make no law respecting an establishment of religion or prohibiting the free exercise thereof. 
Some of y'all said, that's exactly why we should have been meeting a couple of months ago. David, like the, you're, 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 they're, they're establishing the religion. Well, there's other reasons we chose not to meet. But here it is, abridging the freedom of speech, the freedom of the press, we're all about that, or the right of the people peaceably to assemble and to petition the government for a redress of grievances. That's the First Amendment. Thank God for the First Amendment. Because, and I totally support it. But can I just say something to you right now? I have come to the conclusion that the greatest commandment trumps the First Amendment. The greatest commandment trumps, and I use that, I didn't mean to say Trump, trumps. <laughs> see, I'll get an email about that. David, you got his name in there. I know who you are. It, it's more important than the First Amendment. Love God, love your neighbor is more important. But why? Because you're citizens of another country. Now, we're going to get a little political. I'm going to go here in a couple of weeks in a new series, go where no preacher has gone before, and there's probably I will never go again if I survive. But right now, it's important for you to love your neighbor as yourself. You may be asking the question, like this lawyer did in Luke chapter 10 that John covered, and we want to cover again today. You may be asking, who is my neighbor? Who is my neighbor, David? And I've landed on this simple answer and simple definition of this. Your neighbor is the one closest to you with a need. Your neighbor is the one closest to you in need. Whoever you see, wherever you go, obviously the one right next to you would be your neighbor, but it's not just geographical. It's spiritual, it's philosophical, it's cultural, it's relational. It's the one needing help. And if you happen to be that next door neighbor, then praise God. I heard this story about this woman uh, who used to come, who was struggling. She was dealing with poverty. She didn't really know where her next meal was going to come from. And so she would go out on her porch, just, uh, front porch just about every morning and pray out loud, really loud, God, send me groceries. God, send me groceries. I, I need some help. God, I, I'm hungry. I, I don't know what to do. God, send help. Every day she prayed that prayer for a couple days. Her next door neighbor was a little cantankerous little mean, was a skeptic of God. He didn't believe in God. And so he said, there is no God. Quit praying about that. No, there's a God. I know he's going to deliver, she said. One day, the neighbor said, you know what? I'm just going to show her that there is no God. So the neighbor, the cantankerous neighbor, went out and got a bunch of groceries and set them on the front porch. And he hid behind the bushes to see what she was going to do. And she came out and said, oh, God, you answered my prayer. Thank you. Thank you, God, for providing these groceries. And the neighbor popped out behind the bush and said, I told you there is no God. I bought those neighbors. I bought those groceries for you. I bought them. It wasn't God, to which she never missed a beat. She said, oh, God, thank you for providing these groceries. And you made the devil pay for it. <laughs> I love that. That's probably how not to be a neighbor, all right? You got the devil to pay for it. There are so many parallels to that because a lot of us, we're getting a little skeptical about whether God's really going to come through for us. We're a little skeptical about our neighbor right now. What's their motive and what will change them, friend, is not your political post on Facebook. What will change them is being in relationship with them and loving them as yourself. What a powerful, great commandment. It trumps the First Amendment. So today I want to talk to you about the common obstacles and the barriers of being a good neighbor. What does it look like to be a neighbor? 
I would even not say it's a good neighbor. What's it look like to be a great neighbor according to Jesus? What are the barriers, the obstacles, the things that keep us from loving our neighbor as ourselves? And I've tried to do some self, you know, inspection, self-evaluation of me. Like, what is it about my life that makes me so busy for God? <laughs> I don't have to love people for God who he made. What does it mean for us as inside the church to be so busy? We don't have time or bandwidth to love people outside the church who Jesus died for. And when you think of it, there are a lot of man-made barriers, man-made barriers. These obstacles that we put in place in our life to insulate us from our neighbor. Think about your own house. If you live in a house, uh, we wreck fences, shrubs, garage doors, walls that we put up to insulate and isolate ourselves. But I think the main barrier for being a good neighbor and loving our neighbor as ourselves is found in one little four-letter word. You know what it is? Fear. F-E-A-R. We fear something that's holding us back from loving our neighbor. Those of you watching online today, think about it. Is fear holding you back from something? Because we have all kinds of fears. It might be the obvious fear of being robbed when we stop to help someone, which is really what this very text is going to talk about. Let me read it for you one more time. Luke chapter 10, verse 25. I'm going to read it kind of quick. John covered it last week. But listen to the parable in the context of fear. You ready? On one occasion, an expert in the law stood up to test Jesus. Teacher, he asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? That's a pretty legit question. What is written in the law, he replied. How do you read it? He answered, love the Lord your God with all your heart, your soul, your strength, your mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. You have answered correctly, Jesus said. Do this and you will live. But he wanted to justify himself. <laughs> Aren't we so good at justifying what we don't want to do. God, I would, but I could have, I should have, I might have, I might, uh, you know, I would have done that. We're so, but here's what happened. And what you he hear, what you see in this parable is a list of justifications that people give for not loving your neighbor. He wanted to justify himself. So he asked Jesus, and who is my neighbor? In reply, Jesus said, a man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho. An area, by the way, a road notorious for robbers, thugs, thieves. When he was attacked by robbers, this wouldn't have been a surprise to the people listening. They stripped him of his clothes, they beat him, they went away, leaving him half dead. A priest happened to be going down the same road. This is the professional clergy now. Come back to that guy. And when he saw the man, he passed by on the other side. So to a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, passed by on the other side. All priests were Levites, but not all Levites were priests. He passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan, oh, if he, Jesus would have been telling this in their day, the Jewish people listening would have booed. This is like not, this is, the, this is the villain of the story. This is not the hero of the story. A Samaritan, as he traveled by, the least likely guy to notice. Notice he came where the man was, and when he saw him, he took pity on him. He had compassion he went to him and bandaged his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. Then he put the man on his own donkey, brought him to an inn, and took care of him. The next day, I love this, the next day, I'm going to get into this a little bit later, but let me, let me just pause right here. I think this guy, this good Samaritan, is so over the top with compassion, he is doing stuff that I would not do. 
Would you do this kind of stuff for somebody you've never met? Some of y'all would. You should probably be up here teaching this. He takes pity on him. He bandages his wounds. He pours oil and wine, and he put the man on his own donkey, brought him to an inn, and took care of him. The next day he took out two denarii and gave them to the innkeeper. Look after him, he said, and when I return, I will reimburse you for any extra expense you may have. And then the big question. Which of these three do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of robbers? When Jesus asks you a question, be very careful <laughs> how you answer. Amen. The expert in the law replied, the one who had mercy on him, and as JT pointed out last week, he couldn't even bring himself to say, even though the answer was obvious, he couldn't even bring him to say Samaritan. Oh, it's the one who had mercy on him. And Jesus told him, go and do likewise. Go and do likewise. What is the one barrier that keeps us from doing what this guy did? I'll tell you what it is for me. Fear. It's fear. I don't want to be ripped off. I don't want to be in a position for people to take advantage of me. I've seen too much. I've read too much. That obvious fear where that road was notorious for robbers, some of that is legit now. I get it. I don't want to be distracted, dissuaded, misdirected. There is some legitimacy to thinking like you want to be careful. That's why Jesus said you need to be as wise as serpents, harmless as doves. There is a kind of helping that hurts, and it may hurt you. But more often than not, that's not the case. I have a pastor friend, by the way, who stopped to help someone on the side of the road in Kentucky. He, it looked legitimate, like a person who was in need. And instead, he was ambushed. Some people were lying in wait, hidden in some bushes behind them. They came from behind him, hit him in the head, knocked him out. Now, he's okay, but that's a scary experience. So you don't want to be reckless, but neither do you want to weigh the opportunity to help your neighbor in need. So if you're a female in this room or watching this, can I just say to you, be very cautious. Maybe picking up your cell phone and calling somebody else to help is the way you help that person in need. Maybe if you're a big burly guy, buff like me, you know, you might not be a problem. But we all have fears. We all have fears. I fear being taken advantage of, creating an unhealthy dependency, maybe with the person I'm helping. Sometimes it's fear that will cost me, just being honest now. It's not money that I fear losing now. Let me tell you what my most valuable commodity is in my life. Time. I could be doing 10 other things, but I'm going to have to stop with this interruption of a person and deal with that. Some of you may recall a story I told here a few years ago. If you think highly of me, I'm confident this will change your mind. I was here working late one night, no other staff around, and I was in such a hurry. I was tired. I had a late day. I was, had to get, a, a, get another early day the next day and head away. And all of a sudden, this guy finds his way to our church. He tells me that he rode a bus from Indianapolis here to Cleves, and he didn't have the bus fare to get back. Now, this is sketchy. My spidey sense went up because there is no bus line that runs down here. That's a problem, by the way. Well, let's try to help people get out of this cycle of poverty. How can you get a job? How can you go to school if there's no bus line in our corridor? 
that's a whole nother sermon for a whole nother day. But I said, this something's not right about this dude. He was acting funny. He was talking funny, a little squirrely. I said, how did you get here? He tried to explain it. Well, it was late. All he needed was like 25 bucks. I, I, and so it's not our policy generally to give cash, but I decided I was going to give him cash. But I wanted to ask him a few questions. I really did try to help. Him. I said, where, where do you, where do you need to go? I need to go back to the bus station, downtown Cincinnati, so I could get back to Indy. I don't know how he got here, but that's what he needed to do. I didn't feel safe. And again, this is like the anti of the Good Samaritan. I didn't feel safe taking that guy in my car. He's acting weird. When you're driving and somebody's acting weird, it's not a good combo. So I said, I'll get him an Uber. I'll be a Good Samaritan Uber. So I looked on my phone and for some reason I didn't have the Uber app, so I had to download the Uber app. I was in such a hurry, I didn't download the Uber app. I downloaded the app where I signed up to be an Uber driver. <laughs> if you hear, I have a side gig. Uber didn't. So now I'm getting messages. Take your first drive with someone. I'm getting deluged by that. Got the Uber app down. No Uber would come that time of night to this location. That's another problem. No bus. No, no, what is, he can't walk. He's sitting there. What am I going to do? So I decided I would call one of my deputy sheriff buddies. First I said, hey, I'm getting ready to call my deputy sheriff, buddy. Uh, uh, we might have a few questions for you. Usually if somebody's sketched, that's the last thing they want to hear. And he'll bolt. He didn't move an inch. I said, okay, well, maybe there's some legitimacy here. Here comes the deputy, which we have several friends of who guard us. Aren't these awesome people? They're wonderful. Yes, here today. De deputy sheriff came. Deputy sheriff came. He said, yes. I said, I'll ask him a few questions. He said, I'll, I'll, I'll take him downtown, no problem. But, and as the guy left, he said, but I still need $25. <laughs> so I don't normally do that but because it was late and I didn't have time. I reached in my wallet. I put out, took out $25. And, and this is what I said. I feel kind of, it's helpful for me to confess it to you right now. I took out $25. I gave it to him. I said, listen, I'm giving this money to you out of the goodness of my heart, trusting you. If you're lying to me, may God strike you dead. <laughs> the sheriff said, I know this guy. You might want to listen to that. <laughs> I gave him the money. Now, I have not seen that guy since. So either God struck him dead, it was legit, he made it back to Indy. Do you feel the kind compassion of your shepherding pastor right now? <laughs> so you can't get any lower than I've set the bar, friend. May God strike you dead. Who is that guy? He's the priest. He's the Levite. I was tired. I didn't want to. I, we're, so, we're so fearful of loss. Loss of time, loss of money. We might lose face. I was losing my mind. You might lose our reputation. This priest did not probably want to touch that guy because he was probably bleeding or he was dead. And in his career pathway, he couldn't serve in the temple. He would have had to go into quarantine if you touch blood or you touch dead bodies. There's something about serving in professional ministry that makes your heart hard for your neighbor. Because you're just cynical. I, I can't stop to help them. I've got to go do my work for God in the temple. COVID has probably scared some of us, fearful of helping our neighbor. So I pulled this line from Martin Luther, great 
reformer of, of the Reformation movement, really. He wrote these words in the middle of the bubonic plague. Here's what he said. This is what I'm thinking I should abide by. I shall avoid places and persons, he wrote, where my presence is not needed in order not to become contaminated and thus inflict and pollute others and so cause their death as a result of my negligence. If God should wish to take me, he will surely find me, and I have done what is expected of me, and so I am not responsible for either my own death or the death of others. However, if my neighbor needs me, I shall not avoid place or person if my neighbor needs me. So I'm all for appropriate, wise, shrewd boundaries, even in quarantine. But there comes a time, friend, when you just have to act in love and love your neighbor as yourself. Get over your fear. Did you notice in verse 33, let me read it again, what the Samaritan did. Notice the action words that this guy did. How actively he was engaged in compassion. See, some of us think we're compassionate because we think about doing it. <laughs> I'm sure the priest and the Levite, well, you know, that would be a good thing for me to help that guy maybe. Someday I will when I have time. This guy went beyond thinking. He acted. As a, but a Samaritan, as he traveled, I emphasize the words, he came where the man was. He saw him. He took pity on him. He went to him. He bandaged his wounds. He poured on oil and wine. He put the man on his own donkey. He brought him to an inn. He took care of him. He took out two denarii. He gave them to the innkeeper. Look after him. When I return, I will reimburse you. Look at all the things this guy did that took time. Here's what I found out about helping people, because I don't always say, may God strike you dead. Sometimes I help. Here's what I know. Helping people is inconvenient. <laughs> I've been waiting for the best opportune time when all the planets align and all my calendar aligns for a needy person to show up. Seldom does that happen. The best opportunities for service come at the most inconvenient times. It's when you're on your way to do something that you think God wants you to do that God sends the someone he wants you to do it with. So maybe this week, God is prompting you, like this good Samaritan, to get off your donkey and help someone in need. Start asking this question, what does love require? This is a profound question. What does love require of me in this moment? When you see a need, what does love require of me? And I know we can't help everyone. In my mind, I would go down that road. You know, if I do it for this person, I got to do it for, here's a principle I've learned. Do for one what you wish you could do for all. Do for one this week what you wish you could do for all. So when will you, how will you overcome your fear of neighboring and risk in love for God this week? I'm saying to you, my confession, I hope is healthy for me. I hope it's helpful for you. If the preacher struggles with it, probably you do too. Who are my neighbors? Those with in close proximity, the one in need, that's the person I need to go after. So when are you going to move, myself included, when are we going to move out of the land of the coulda, the shoulda, the woulda? And so when you see an opportunity this week, Whitewater Crossing, those of you watching online live now, when you see an opportunity to help people, here's what I want you to say. Here's my chance. Here's my chance. This is what David was talking about. 
It's not a coincidence I saw this message. It's not a coincidence I was here for that, to hear that. Here's my chance. If you don't do that, you will miss something great. And one of the things I think that I will, I will look back on as I get older, and they've done polls of people who were 100 years old, and they had a lot of things that they look back that they'd like to do different. And you know what the number one thing most older people say when they retire? They regretted missed opportunities. It's not what they did, it's what they didn't do, and they regretted it in their life. This is true every day. It reminds me of a guy named Dean Rhodes who was a man who missed opportunity after opportunity because he was afraid to take a risk. Rhodes, it's true stuff now, Rhodes met Dave Thomas long before that restauranteur opened his first Wendy's here in Ohio. Rhodes admitted that he always knew the young Dave Thomas would do something big, but when given the opportunity to invest early in Wendy's, Dean Rhodes did not. Later, Dean Rhodes met a guy named Colonel Sanders. He had an opportunity to buy stock in his finger-licking good company. That would so be about that. But he did not. He did not buy in before it went national. He turned down that as well because he disagreed with some of the colonel's ideas. When Rhodes was in the restaurant business, you can't make this stuff up. He often met equipment salesmen in his office trying to sell them on their machines. And one of the early salesmen in his office was a guy by the name of Ray Kroc. You ever heard of him? Rhodes admitted that Kroc was a pleasant person. However, he chose not to invest in that little hamburger stand called McDonald's. And to add insult to injury, a few years later on a cruise, <laughs> Dean Rhodes met an attorney from the Pacific Northwest who suggested that Rhodes invest in his son's new computer company, but once again, he declined because he thought the computer company had a funny name and wouldn't make it, Microsoft. I would be suicidal if I were Dean Rose. <laughs> when you say no to opportunity, friend, you're saying no to a whole lot of other things. If you wait till all the lights agree to go downtown, you're never going downtown. You got to take the next right step. Here's my chance. And I think one of the keys to making this neighboring principle that we've been talking about, preaching about, praying about for us to do, loving God, loving your neighbors yourself, the biblical gift that has to shine right now is the biblical gift of hospitality. Amen. It's a long lost art form to entertain and show hospitality. Paul wrote a letter to the church in Rome, very similar, weird culture. They were persecuting Christians, by the way. Uh, Caesars were reigning. He wrote chapter 12 to brothers and sisters, men and women, and this is what he said. We have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us. If your gift is prophesying, then prophesy in accordance with your faith. He's just listing now all the spiritual gifts that exist. If it is serving, then serve. If it is teaching, then teach. If it is encouraging, encouragement, then give encouragement. If it is giving, then give generously. If it is to lead, if your spiritual gift of, that God has given you is to lead, notice what he says, do it diligently. If it is to show mercy, he said, show mercy, do it cheerfully. All of you, men and women, have a spiritual gift. Here's the things he says, if this is your gift, this is what you should start doing. Then he goes on to talk about what it means to be a good neighbor. Some of these axioms here, these pithy verses are so profoundly true for us right now in our culture. Love must be sincere, hate what is evil, cling to what is good, be devoted to one another in love, honor one another above yourselves, 
Never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor serving the Lord. I love this. Some of you right now, you feel like you're restrained. You feel like I, I, I can't do all I want to do. I, this is for you. Never be lacking in zeal. Keep your spiritual fervor. You got to do it in the context of the neighbor and using EQ and what their needs are, but don't lose your zeal. It's real easy to lose your zeal right now. Serving the Lord. Be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer. Share with the Lord's people who are in need. You could just write Good Samaritan right there. And then notice those last two words. Practice hospitality. Practice hospitality. Hospitality right now and the church body working right have never been more needed than they are right now. Loving your neighbor as yourself. All of us being the body of Christ to our neighbor as best we can. Because we live in a day when people now, because of, especially because of corona, are ostracized, they're criticized, they're marginalized, they're isolated. Even before the coronavirus, 40, former British Prime Minister Theresa May, she created a new governmental position. This is pre-COVID now. She created a new position. You know what the title was? The Minister for Loneliness. Now, if a country figures that out, that's not even in America, why couldn't we figure out that we need more ministers of loneliness? She said loneliness is the sad reality of modern day life. So I'm asking you, watching, I'm asking you in this room, I'm asking me, pray for me. I seem to have more distractions in my life right now than ever before trying to be the best leader I can be. I'm asking all of us to reach across a boundary this week, sometime and somewhere. Think of all the boundaries this Good Samaritan crossed, religious ones, relational ones, cultural ones, huge financial ones. I mean, this guy gave away money knowing he probably wasn't going to get it back. Come on now. When you start measuring your success by the number of people that you help that will never be able to pay you back, that's when you're becoming like Jesus. You think you're going to pay him back for all he did for you? Good luck for that. See, we're dreaming, we're wanting us at Whitewater to be the very first ones in any social setting to extend a hand across any divide, economic divides, let's reach our hand across, political divides, let's reach our hand across, gender divides, racial divides, generational divides, especially those who are disconnected from a relationship with Jesus, who really need Jesus with skin on right now, you will be given some awesome opportunities right now this week to be Jesus and love God and love your neighbors. You will have a chance. I saw a great short clip of this of someone being a good neighbor, a little boy. In fact, a little child will lead them. He happened to have the opportunity on the basketball court. I want you to check this out.
could you be a number 50 in someone's life this week? Could you just be a number 50? Because our world is full of people who need 50s right now. Maybe you don't play basketball. Maybe you say, well, David, I don't play. Okay. You play something somewhere. You do something somewhere. Even if it's the place you shop, then just practice strategic neighborhood consumerism, I would call it. I mean, what would it look like for you to go to that Starbucks that you've already been going to every day, or a small business here in our neighborhood that you frequently go to? You find the manager, you say, hey, my name is so-and-so. I'm going to be stopping here at least once, twice a week. For some of you who are coffee addicts, it might leave once or twice a day, okay? I'm going to be stopping here at least once, twice a week. I'm going to be praying. I just want you to know I'm not trying to be weird. I'm not going to do weird stuff, but I'm going to be praying for you and your staff. If there's anything you ever need, I'm here to serve you. It won't cost you anything. I'm just here to be a good neighbor. What would that look like if you compounded the thousands of people who call this their church home, who watch, if they did that every day, every week, every year? And then if it's a Starbucks, you can just sit back and sip on your mint mocha frappuccino that you paid seven bucks for, and you can enjoy life. Friend, this is when life gets adventurous and fun when you're a follower of Jesus Christ. Because when you wake up every day, if you wake up every day with this idea, God is going to send some my my way. God is going to send a person. Uh, He's going to help me meet a need. I'm going to get to be a number 50 somewhere, sometime, some way, to someone this week. This is when life gets interesting. And if you pray that prayer, God, God, send someone to me. God always answers that prayer. He always answers that prayer. Wake up, less focus on you, more focus on that person in need. See them. That was the key thing. Go to them. Take the risk. Here's my chance. Because here's what I know, and I've been doing ministry a long time. It's so much more fun to be the church than to attend a church. Oh, I love attending church. And by the way, we'll always have church service. We'll always gather. What a wonderful facility. We'd never abandon that or forsake that. But friend, this building's not going to win somebody to Jesus Christ. It's you being the church. So I'm asking you now, be a neighbor. What life are you waiting on to fulfill your mission for planet Earth? What is it? And you will meet people this week that David Vaughn will never meet. You don't have to tell them, may God strike you dead. What you're trying to do is make them more alive. What we're trying to do is help our church be alive, to pivot in the middle of a pandemic and be a different kind of church than we've ever been before. And I actually think a more biblical kind of church because that's why God put us on earth. You know, Fred Rogers is our character and our theme for this series, Will You Be My Neighbor? He passed away in 2001. His enduring impact and influence can still be felt today. In addition to his one-of-a-kind approach to both education and entertainment, he celebrated his views on his show of helpers. He called helpers ordinary people who make an extraordinary difference. Here's the quote that Mr. Rogers gave. I love this from the article I read about him. He said, when I was a boy, when I was a boy, and I would see scary things in the news. By the way, those of you parents watching, your kids are seeing a lot of scary stuff on the news right now. When I was a boy, I would see scary things in the news. My mother would say to me, look for the helpers. You will always find people who are helping. 
So my advice for you, if you're discouraged, if you're cynical, if you're figuring out what you want to do and where to go, look for the helpers. Better yet, what I'm asking our church family to do is to be a helper. Don't just look for them. Be that. Be a number 50. Reach across that divide for it to be a beautiful day in our neighborhood here. You know, friend, think about the cosmic strides that Jesus Christ made to move from heaven to earth. Cosmic redemptive strides. Barriers he crossed so we could get to heaven. Doing stuff we never did. Think about the hand he reached across that divide. A nail-scarred hand. That's our model. And if you don't have that relationship with Jesus, friend, I can tell you that's why we're in the church business. That's why we do what we do. We owe it all to him. Compared to what Jesus did, all of us have a long way to go in being a good and a great neighbor. And Jesus left his neighborhood to come to ours, listen, so we could move from our neighborhood someday up to his. And what he wants in between is for what up there, he wants it to look what it is down here, what it is up there. We're trying to get the neighborhoods together because he's moved into our neighborhood. And he didn't come just to give us wisdom. He came to take over. <laughs> huh? And so he wants us to think differently. I want you to think about that neighborhood, not just this one. This neighborhood here is messed up down here on earth. That neighborhood there is going to be so awesome. But we want as many people as possible. So I really think that song, it's a beautiful day in the neighborhood, a beautiful day for a neighbor. Won't you be mine? That's pretty much what Jesus is singing. Won't you be mine? God, thank you for the scriptures. We're just camping in this one text today. Just trying to speak from my heart, have a conversation about a lot of things. But I pray, God, that we would be people who are willing to risk and ask the question, who is my neighbor? And answer it and act on it. Remove, God, any barriers, any hindrances, any walls of our own making that we have built up to keep us isolated from other human beings of different creeds and colors and political backgrounds. God, you want us to love you and love our neighbor. Help us to do that this week. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.